Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. Well, I'm in a series right now called New in 22. And how fitting that today is called a new peace. We've talked about a new uh, shout and a new joy and a, and a new push and, and, a, and, a, and a, the new is really a return to the old. We've talked a lot about a lot of different new things. But today I want you to know that it's time for this world to understand that God doesn't just want a peace, a peace that we have uh, understood and qualified to define as peace, uh, to be a greater peace than that. There is a peace in, the time, in this time of chaos that can only come from God. One scripture, if I have time to get to it today, says a peace that passes all understanding, an, an uncomprehendable peace, a, a peace that we know does not come from nothing. Natural occurrences happening in our lives, whether we wanted them to happen or not, but a peace that can only come from God. How many knows this world, if you believe this, how many believes this world needs peace right now? Isaiah 43 says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now shall it spring forth, shall you not know it? I will make a road in the wilderness. I will make a river in the desert. The beasts of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I have given water in the wilderness and a river in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people that I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praise. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. This world is in chaos. This world is in chaos. Can I be real with you? This world has lost its collective mind. This world has lost its mind. We are doing things that that civilized people would never dream we would do to each other. Especially within countries that declare themselves to be free and open to worship God and to live life. To pursue happiness. This world is now driven by fear. I wish I had a church that would help me. This world is driven by fear. Chaos has become the drug of choice. This world is high on the drug of chaos. High on the drug of fear. People nowadays don't even know how to live without chaos. There are people now that once peaceful things come, it becomes more chaotic in their lives when it's peace than when it was chaos. You don't understand what I'm saying, do you? I'm telling you right now, some of you don't understand what I'm saying because I'm talking about you. Because you're so oblivious to the fact that you cannot perceive and be able to stay and believe that you somehow have qualified to be in a place of your life where things feel peaceful. Now I believe this, I've preached this, and I'm not saying this ain't biblical, but preachers have said it my whole life, and I've said it probably hundreds of times, and almost sometimes jokingly, but I believe it's been inbred into the mindset of the modern day Christian, and it goes something like this. Well, if your life is going perfect, if your life feels like it's peaceful, and there's no chaos in your life, you better run to the altar and get yourself right with God, because obviously you ain't living right, because if you were living right, uh, you, you'd be under attack of the devil. So if, you, if everything's good, and everything's peaceful, then you must be in sin. You better get your heart right with God. 
I understand that and I know that that the devil's always going to fight us. The devil's always going to come against us. But you know what? I just believe that we've lost something. I believe somewhere along the line in teaching that we've lost that there is a place that you can get where even though chaos is reigning, even though sickness is attacking, even though the finances are not there, even though there's chaos on your job, that you can be in a place of peace where it doesn't bother you. Like water off a duck's back. Just slides right off. Are y'all hearing me? Don't let chaos, anger, offense be your drug of choice. You know the, the famous no fear scripture that everybody quotes. But nobody knows where it's at in the Bible. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of, say it, power, love. Say those last two words again. Sound mind. For God has not given us. He didn't say Christians would not have a spirit of fear. He just made it clear that if you got it, he didn't give it to you. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. Let's look at the scripture again. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. But, that word but means he didn't give you that, but he gave you this. He didn't give you a spirit of fear, but he gave you power, love, and a sound mind. Let me tell you something. You think I'm going to get up here and say that Christians don't have a spirit of fear on them? Are you kidding me? Christians are being absolutely consumed by a spirit of fear. Just because you're a Christian don't mean you ain't going to have to go through stuff. And just because you're a Christian don't mean you ain't going to be stupid. In fact, I've met a lot of Christians, and I know this about myself. The blood of Jesus doesn't wipe away stupidity all the time. It wipes away sin, but it don't necessarily wipe away stupidity. But he did say he has given us something. He's given us power, love, and a sound mind. The old preacher's definition of fear it's an acronym, F-E-A-R, standing for false evidence that appears real. It's been around for years. I heard it when I was a kid. F, false. E, evidence. Uh, that A appears R, real. And you know what? That's a cute little way of saying it, but it really is a good definition. False evidence that appears real. Meaning some things and most of the time most of the things that happen to us that brings fear into us is never ever ever really what we think it is and as bad as we think it is. It is fear is a spiritual attack on the mind. You need to write this down and get this in your heart. Fear is a weapon of the enemy. If our worship is a uh, if our worship is a warship, if our worship uh, worship is a is a weapon, if our praise is a weapon, let me tell you the the devil's got weapons as well. Fear is in his arsenal. It is a weapon of the enemy. Fear is not the destruction. 
Fear does not kill you. But his goal, does John 10, 10 says, the thief comes not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. Are you hearing me? How many knows the devil wants to steal from you? He wants to kill you and he wants to destroy not just you, but everything around you. The devil has a scorched earth mentality. He wants to drop a bomb on you and let you explode and kill all the ones around you. Your spirit of anger, your spirit of offense will affect like a bomb dropped in the middle of your house. But fear's not the bomb. Fear's not the, dis- the, the destruction. Fear is a weapon, is a primary weapon that is really a door. Fear is a door. That if he could put fear in your life and you accept that fear, then you are willing to walk through the door that he puts in front of you because he, fear will make you think that that door that he puts in front of you is the only way out of the moment. Fear might not, you might not define it as fear, but when somebody decides to end their marriage. And I know many people in here have gone through that. I'm not, this is not a judgmental statement. But most of the time, whether it, you don't look at fear in the sense of, ah, I'm afraid. But fear is not just scared of a, of, a, of, a, of a ghost. Fear is also false evidence that appears real. Meaning sometimes it's not just a, a chill and, a, and a, a fear like in a horror movie, but fear can be uh, an internal thing that takes your hope away. To where it feels hopeless. You have a fear that there's no way you can fix this. It's, it, that's why they call it, when you file for divorce, they start using this term, irreconcilable differences. Meaning, there is no way, we've both decided, there is no way this can be fixed. So the only door that I can go through is the door of divorce that's in front of me. And the devil has convinced us. Now, sometimes I know that you had to do that. I'm not judging you for doing that. But I'm telling you, some people have taken the easy door when they could have fought. Not judging you. But it's in the past is in the past, okay? Whatever's happened in the past, let it go. I'm not beating you up. I don't want you to beat yourself up about the past. I'm just trying to help you open your eyes so that you don't make mistakes again. When you are controlled by fear, what's this? How many remembers when you was a kid and you'd lay in the bed late at night? You might have watched um, Freddy Krueger or something like that. I don't know. Some of y'all don't know who Freddy Krueger is. It's probably a good thing. But you laid in the bed. Everything's dark. There's a little bit of light. just barely coming through. And all of a sudden you look up, you hear something go... And you don't, you don't realize you're too young. You don't understand that no matter how nice the house is, it's going to settle. It's going to crack every once in a while. And you hear this little voice. And then all of a sudden, your heart starts racing. You look over, and you're convinced someone's standing at the base of your bed. Huh? They're standing there. And some of you, all of a sudden, you look a little closer. You, you're afraid to move. You're afraid to even breathe. You look at it, and then you're convinced he's got a weapon in his hand or, or something. He's about to come knock you out right there in the bed. 
everything that's within you wants to scream for mama. But you're afraid if you scream, he'll get you. Till finally something happens. Wind blows, air conditioning cuts on, moves it a little bit, or mama or daddy opens the door, or you finally do scream or something, light comes on, you realize it's just a jacket. Maybe I'm the only one. Am I, does anybody else know anything about what I'm talking about? Any kind of similarity? And you feel really stupid. Because I'm going to tell you something, when you're afraid and fear grips you, and you allow yourself to be given to that fear, you will hear things, see things, and maybe even feel things that are not real. Because fear lives in darkness. So if you have given yourself to fear, it's easy to mistake something for something else when the light is not on. How many knows everything changes when the light comes on? Everything changes when the light comes on. It's just a switch. It's just a light. It's just electricity. But when the light comes on, it, it just calms you down and gives you a peace. Oh my God, it really wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Fear is a tool. It's not just a weapon, it is a tool that the enemy uses. It is used by the devil. It is used by our enemy. It is even used by people that are in power, in government, in, in structures. To cause us, listen to me, to agree to things that we never would in a sound mind. Some of y'all afraid to clap. Let's just go ahead and tell it like it is. This nation and the whole world has accepted a new normal that they never would have accepted without fear. It's the truth. Fear will cause you not to go see your mother who is dying in the hospital or a nursing home because you're afraid to contract a virus knowing you may never get to see them again. Fear has caused hundreds of thousands of people around this world to die alone. Alone. Family members texting me. Pastor, I'm sitting in the parking lot, praying, looking up at a light in a window while my mother is dying. And they told me I can't go pray for her. I can't go see her until they determine it's her last breaths. And then I can go in. But they called me and told me my mother had had a massive stroke. And she had internal bleeding and her kidneys were shutting down and all of that. I said, what are you trying to tell me, doctor? I said, just be straight with me. Are you trying to tell me without telling me she's not coming back? Are you trying to tell me? She's, she's, she's going to die today. 
He said, well, I can't promise you nothing. I can't say that and guarantee you nothing. I've been surprised. He said, but I, I have a strong possibility she'll be gone today, confident that she'll be gone 24 to 48 hours. He said, but you know, right now we're not accepting any visitors. Listen to what he said to me. And he didn't, and let me tell you something, he was broken. This doctor was broken. I, I appreciate this doctor. He was broken. Because he did, I could tell in his voice, he did not want to say this. He was tired of saying this. He was kind. He said, our protocol right now is we're back on lockdown and we're not allowing any visitors. But we make special circumstances when we know that today could probably be it so you and your brother can come and see her because she's going to be gone today. I said, with respect, doctor. Are you telling me that if you felt like she could make it and there's a way that she could possibly pull out of this, me and my brother could not walk in that same room and pray for my mama, but I can walk in there and tell my mama goodbye. He said, I'm so sorry to tell you, but yeah, that's the rule. This morning I received a text from a good friend. He said, pray for my mama. They put my mama in the hospital. She's got COVID and pneumonia, and it's not looking good. He said, and I'm so broken because 100,000 people will meet in a stadium and watch a playoff football game in the NFL today, but they will not let my daddy go see his wife. Can I ask you something? Even if you're pro-whatever in safety, does that make any sense? Does it make any sense that you can fill a football stadium, scream and spit all over each other, but a husband cannot go in to see his wife who has pneumonia and is in ICU? We have made some stupid decisions under the guise of being smart decisions. Some of them were smart. I mean, here's, here's an occasion of being smart. If, if you hear there's a shootout going on in an alley next to you, it's smart not to go over and stand in the middle of them and think you're in the matrix. Huh? Bullets fall. That's not real. That's called stupid. When you are gripped by fear, you will agree to things. And some of them, and I'm going to back up and I'm going to say this, most all of them, including myself, we all, under the guise of compassion, did that. We agreed. We didn't fight. We shut the church down for nine weeks. As long as our governor said no, we went with it because we know what the scripture says about obeying those that are over you in the Lord. Uh, uh, we understand that. We did everything we could to be safe. But when they started trying to capitalize on that fear, telling me I couldn't sing anymore, I couldn't preach anymore, I couldn't lay hands on anybody anymore, somebody, somewhere along the line, I had to draw the line. I had to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I understand what you're saying. I get it, I get it, I get it. But how, how am I supposed, if, if this is real to me, if this ain't some game, if this is not something I just 
telling just to, to work somebody up. If this is real to me, how am I going to look at somebody that says, Pastor, the Bible said if I'm sick, I'm supposed to call for the elders of the church and let the elders of the church anoint my head with oil and lay hands upon me and pray the prayer of faith and that God will raise me up. How are you supposed to preach that to me? And you can't got you ain't got no elders to pray for me. You ain't got you ain't praying for me yourself. And I just said, you know what? Woo! When I stay, I'm not gonna stand before the CDC. I'm gonna stand before God. I'm not gonna, my God, y'all hear me. I'm gonna hear God say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. My God, I'm not gonna be gripped in fear. You do you and I'll do me. God Almighty. Wake up! My heart broke for that friend. He's like, what am I supposed to do? My daddy cannot go see his wife. My mama. So she got to lay in there by herself. People, I'm not saying, I'm not judging those doctors and nurses. I don't know who loves the Lord in that room or not. Chances are many of them ain't thinking nothing about God. Sticking things in them, drawing stuff out of them. I can't just let somebody stand on the other side of the glass. Just put their hand on the glass and say, Jesus, touch my mama. You won't let me in the room. I understand some things are infectious. I understand things have to take precautions. That ain't for me. I'm not asking you to do this for me. I'm asking you to do this for my mama. For my daddy, for my brother, for my sister. If I'm not there, who's going to pray the prayer of faith over them? What are we teaching our children? Arresting. Started out a few weeks, about a month ago, I started telling you about Australia. I told you it was coming. New York City, they're arresting people, putting them in handcuffs, taking them to the local precinct and booking them on charges of trespassing for not having a card to go into a restaurant that you're going to let me walk across, sit down, take my mask off and breathe on everybody. And now even the ones that have the card are just as contagious as the ones that don't. You know what they did this week in New York? I watched the video. I thought I was looking at Germany. I thought I was looking at Austria. It was a museum in New York City. They arrested a nine-year-old girl who showed up at the museum with her family and did not have a card to show. The, uh, the director of the museum in our country, New York City, called the police and armed police came into the museum and took her out and put her in a car. Took her to the precinct. I watched her as they released her when her bond was made. Nine years old. What is the mental damage that is coming to our children? You think that child will ever feel comfortable even when this so-called is over of going back to that museum again? 
You think she'll ever walk around and look at the beautiful things that were put in there meant to inspire her without thinking her mind going back and that spirit of fear gripping her of when people, their own fellow citizens came in and took her out? There is safety. There is, there is being smart. There is being cautious. And then there is being filled with a spirit of fear. You don't have to go to church here. I hope you come back, but I'm going to tell you something. I love everyone, and it will hurt me to see anybody go. But I'm going to tell you something. I am done worrying about whether I'm going to keep you as, as uh, me being your pastor because I say something bold up here. Because I'm going to tell you something. I'm not ever going to be judgmental. If you think that was judgmental, oh, I could be judgmental. That wasn't judgmental. That wasn't judgmental. That was trying to help you wake up. If, and I'm not a political preacher. That is not a political message. This is a Bible message. And if I'm your pastor, I'm your pastor. That don't mean you got to agree with everything that I'm going to say. But if you want somebody can tickle your ears and make you feel like butterflies in your belly, they're out there by the millions. Faith. If I if I ain't drove you, if I ain't run you away, I'll probably run you away with this one. No, I don't want to. I'm not trying to run you away, but. The churches, people are leaving the church in droves because anytime anybody says anything that's any kind of controversial, people can't handle it now. So I'm, listen to me. I'm, I'm, this is, I'm being funny, but I'm not. But I'm, but I'm not. There's, there's an underlying in there, but I am being funny. I want you to know, and I wrote it down just like I, when I heard it. I'm not mocking you, and I'm not questioning your faith by this next statement. Do not get offended because I know some of y'all are going to get offended because I know there's probably some people in here who got this. I can feel it. I can feel the, the daggers already coming. Y'all don't know what I'm going to say. If you got one of them black face masks with giant bright letters, faith over fear, throw it away. Please. Throw it away. I mean, I've literally at times, look at that, look out, look out, look out, look out. He got him. Finish him off. Go be with Jesus. Yes, stay down. Stay down, that's right. He's under your feet, brother, where he belongs. Wasn't that perfect? Beelzebub. Preaching about the, the, the Lord of the flies, the God of the dung. Here comes something flying right in the middle of it, and we stomped him. So seriously, do not wear that mask out in public again, please. I understand what you're doing. I get it. I get it. I get it, y'all. I get it when they first put them out. Y'all seen them? I'm walking around Walmart and I'm seeing them. Big, bright, white letters, gigantic. All the way across the nose, faith, little, little bitty tiny road, over fear, gripping the entire chin. I get it. I get it was your way of saying, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this because I love you. I'm doing this because I care about your health. I'm doing this because I want you to know that I'm wearing a mask because they told me that was the thing that I need to do for your safety. But I'm a man of faith. I'm, let me tell you something. I could almost get that two years ago. 
But now, even the CDC, every single health organization that has ever studied masks, there has yet to be any single study ever released that ever says that masks work at all. I'm sorry. They do not work. They do not, they do not keep you from getting it. They do not keep you from transmitting it. There's only one type of mask that they say that works on that, and nobody wants to wear it because it's uncomfortable. So, I'm not telling you not to wear a mask. What's this? Y'all think I'm telling you that? I got one right here. I'm not saying I don't ever wear it. I keep it in my pocket in situations that I feel that I need to do it. I'm not judging you for wearing a mask, but I'm just telling you right now. If you're wearing it because you think it is doing what you were told two years ago, you need to go back and look. They're not saying that anymore. But if you're still wearing it, you understand right now? They did a poll the other day. This is shocking to me. 30% of all people polled said they don't know if they'll ever stop wearing a mask. One-third of our nation, ever in public, because they realize this really helped with the flu, this really helped with the cold, and you look over in some of the countries over in, in Asia and different places, they wear, they, anytime, they wear a mask anytime they go out. 30% of our nation said we really don't know if, we'll, if I'll ever stop wearing one. Ever. Ever? Ever? I got people. There you go. I can tell right now I done lost about a third of you. And y'all just y'all just don't want to see people see you walking out. I got it. I got it. You just you just sitting here until the service is over with and you're like, mm, I'm getting out of here. Can't believe my pastor would judge me like that. Watch this. If you took that personal, you got to ask yourself why you did. Because I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to all of you. I was talking to those that are watching. I'm just saying this. Wear a mask if you feel to wear a mask. But don't allow that mask to become who you are. You know, one of the most powerful forces for Jesus that you have is your mouth. The power of life and death is in your tongue. Now, I know you got power to speak life and death, but you know what else you got power to do? Smile. How many of us, when somebody sees you smile, it's powerful. But we've lost a lot of smiles. Now we have to judge by the, the way the eyes go. Huh? Where well, we used to know it was a smile. What, what's, 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 what's the similarities? Look at my eyes. And pretty close. It's like a smile, joy, grimace. Pretty close. Moving on. I need this, y'all. I need affirmation. Can y'all just shout that you love me? Okay, okay. I just needed that. I just need that. Okay, okay. Okay, I needed that. I needed to, I needed to feel the love tonight. Can you feel the love tonight? But what I'm saying, I, I, I want to say this. If you got that mask, throw it away. And the next line said, wear a regular mask. Just don't wear that one. Okay? 
Fear will take your peace. And listen to me, today's called new peace. Some of you are striving to get back to the peace that you knew. God spoke this to me today. That peace is gone. Because that peace that you qualified as peace, the ingredients that brought you that peace no longer exist. This world has changed, y'all. Did you notice? Can I tell you something? This ain't negative because y'all know I'm positive up here and trying to shake you not to, not to buy into the lie. But here's the reality. It's never going back. It's never going back to the way it was. Some things may feel like they're going back, but it will never be the same. There has been a cultural and spiritual shift in this nation and the world. It's not going back. And watch this, those that know, remember what I was saying during worship, those that know, know this was coming. God said that, it was coming. That even the very elect would fall away. That there would be a great falling away. You don't need your old peace, you need a new peace. Your old peace was too shaky. Your old peace was too shaky. How do I know that? Because you lost it too easy. If you find yourself losing your peace easily, it's a shaky peace. It's built on sand. I can't tell you the times that I've read the story of the three little pigs lately. Y'all remember that one? Papa, read, read the pigs. And you're like, do you not know this story by heart? But it don't matter because they want to hear Papa read it. So Papa doesn't have a lecture with the, with the sweet little bunny rabbit. Now, baby, listen, you got to learn that sometimes you got to get a new book. No, Papa says, of course I will read this for you. Whatever you want, I will do. But the three little pigs will preach, y'all. Because the three little pigs, if I could go back and find out who really wrote it, I just believe he was a child of God. Because he, it's really just the variation of when Jesus said, if a man builds his house upon the sand and another man builds his house upon a rock, when the storms come and the winds blow, the one that was built on the sand is shaky and will fall to the ground. But the ones that was built on the rock will be able to withstand the storm. Let me tell you something. There's a devil out there, the big bad wolf. Let me tell you, if every time he comes around, and huffs and puffs and blows your house down you might need to start building your peace on straw you might need to start building your peace on sticks you might need to go find you some bricks you might need to go find you some foundational stones that has survived every kingdom every prince every king every tyrant every my god survived Hitler survived Mussolini survived world wars the word of God is still standing it is the rock on which I stand I wish I had somebody to help me if your peace blows over then find you a new foundation your peace has got to be built on the right foundation when somebody that you love like my mama 
who was everything to me who for years and years and years, I don't care if you think this is weird, I gave my mom a Father's Day card. Because I didn't have no daddy. And I, told, I would tell her, I know you've done your best to fill both gaps, but there's some things you couldn't. But thank you. She provided for me. She worked for me. She, she, was, she was our rock. But when your house is built, when your peace is built on the true, the true foundation, and it's not shaky, even though it hurts, even though you're going to miss them, even though you know you're going to cry, sometimes when you see a picture or when you hear a song, it's not, your peace does not fall apart. Your life, your testimony, you don't do things to destroy your testimony. People will come up to you. I've seen it happen in all of your lives. I've been to many. Can you tell you the times of the funerals that I've preached for many of you? Where I saw a strength. And I could hear people, your loved ones going, I tell you what, it's amazing how strong you are. And I know some of you have told me how they come up to you and they just say, We're, I figured you'd be falling apart. You just, you're, you're, you're staying together more than me. And I, she wasn't even my mama. She wasn't even my daddy. He wasn't even my daddy. How you doing? Because you had something. You got something that ain't shaky. You're still human. Abraham, the father of the faith, grieved over the loss of his wife. David, a man after God's own heart, wept the loss of his son. But David had something. He splashed water on his face. He stood up to begin to praise God. He said, here's, here's what I do know. When everybody else around him, all of his helpers was going, I don't understand it. You wept and you cried while he was sick. But now he's gone. And you splash some water in your face and you're cleaning yourself up. And now you're in the temple praising God at the news of what we told you, that your son is dead. He said something they didn't understand. The ones around him didn't, have, didn't understand because their foundation wasn't like David. David said, here's, this, here's the thing. Oh, well, yeah, I'm grieving. I'm hurting. I'd have loved to held him. I'd have loved to talk, raise him up in the house. But this is one thing I do know. I can't bring my son back to me. But I can go to my son. One day I will see my son. You will. You will see your children. You will see your parents. Those that were with God. That's where we're going. So we, we press on. We continue to live. Because that's what they would want. Jesus said work while it's day. There's a night coming when no man can work. If there's breath in your body, don't quit. I'm not going to read all of this. I'm not going to get into it deeply. But I'm going to read a few quick facts of what I found. This study was actually came out. Like in 2020, 2021 actually, maybe 2020. It says scientists say that when a person is overwhelmed in their life by fear, things begin to happen in their body and to their health. It will create an inability, number one, to, to relax. There's no way to relax. Anxiety and panic attacks will come. It can even, it can even weaken your immune system. It says the body's fear response includes an upsurge of adrenaline and cortisone and long-time exposure of these chemicals and, or, or related hormones will take a toll on the immune system, making it weaker and less able to fight off infections, viruses, and other illnesses. 
So the more we're in fear because of sickness, if we give ourselves to that fear, then what, it's a twofold, it's a, a double-edged sword of the enemy. It has caused us to be in fear for that sickness, but it is also attacking our immune systems for future attacks. Fear can cause heart damage. Perhaps one of the most detrimental bodily effects of fear is damage to the heart and cardiovascular system. I'm just quoting this straight off uh, 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 CDC website. Heightened fear on long-term, as a long-term basis can eventually, after months or even years, lead to serious heart problems. Organs become overworked and stressed from the constant bombardment of stress hormones and cease to function properly. Not to mention that fear breeds the thoughts of suicide. Suicide attempts have increased among young people. Listen to me. Especially among young people. Ages 12 to 17, and especially among young girls during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm just reading stats. Among young girls, average weekly visits to the emergency department for suspected suicide attempts from February 2021 to March of 2021 this year was 50.6% higher than the same period a year ago. 50% higher than one year ago. By June 2020, 25% of surveyed adults in the same age group reported experiencing suicidal thoughts related specifically to the pandemic. We are scaring our children to death, literally. Do not make your child a pawn in your fear. This is how you find out who the remnant is. We need peace. We need a peace based on the word of God. We need a new peace. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be anxious or fearful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, somebody shout the peace of God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. We need a fleshly peace and we need a spiritual peace. Well, pastor, are you saying that if I just walk in faith, I can believe God that I ain't going to get COVID? No, I got COVID. Can I give y'all revelation? Every one of y'all has had it. Some of y'all had it bad. Some of y'all didn't have it so bad. But I'm telling you right now, everybody in this country's had it or about to get it. Is that, that don't sound like faith. No, I'm just trying to tell you realism. Some of them are worse than others. If you have pre-existing conditions, if you have lung problems, then you need to take precautions that others don't take. I'm not here to give a medical lesson. I'm just here to tell you, at some point, we've got to understand, we thought we was going to stop this, but we have not stopped this. So while we're fo focusing so much attention on trying to stop something that we're not, it is proven, we're not going to be able to stop in the natural. We've got to take a self-evaluation of where our mindset has changed when it comes to the God that we say we serve. Did I say anything wrong? Did I say the truth just then? Did, did, it's not in my notes here, but didn't Romans chapter 12 not say this? Do not be conformed 
to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you're not careful, you will transform into the world system. But the Word of God is the only thing that will transform you out of it and into a kingdom mindset. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule your hearts. Let the peace of God rule your hearts. Who is the king of your heart? We're called to peace. The world has got to see a peace in us that is not in them. If they cannot see something different about us, how in the world do you ever expect them to want what we have? You can't tell a drug addict, come to God, unless you can tell him that your God is better than the drugs. You can't give somebody who drinks Jack Daniels everything hope unless you show them the Holy Spirit is better than Jack Daniels. Ain't nobody, because Jack Daniels makes them feel good. Jack Daniels makes them forget their problems. Jack Daniels gives them confidence that they wouldn't normally have. Jack Daniels makes them feel like they got friends, even if they ain't real, until the next morning. But I'm going to tell you something. You can't look at somebody that gets all these things that they've assigned to something in their life that helps them get that, and then tell them, come to Jesus. You ain't going to have no friends. You ain't going to have no fun. You're going to have to walk in poverty. Come on, you hear me? No, we got to show them the kingdom of God is better than anything that that so-called imitation is trying to give you. You have to get this strong in your spirit. Listen to me, and I'm finishing. And you have to let this be written on the flesh of your heart. Peace. Somebody say peace. Watch this, you got to get this. Peace is a military term. We don't think about it that way. But peace is simply not possible without warfare. Peace is quite simply defined as victory in the war. You only pray for peace when you're in a battle or a struggle. You don't pray for peace when everything's going great. You pray, God, give me peace when your mind is in turmoil. Walking in guilt and shame and condemnation. That's when you cry out for peace. So peace is not this thing sitting on a shelf. That child, the child of God just say, God, I want that one. God said, you can have that one. But the only way you get that one is when you fight the battle the way I told you to fight the battle. Woo. He said, you got to understand something. It ain't by your might. It ain't by your power. 
It is by the Spirit of the Lord that the battle is fought. He'll fight the battle and he'll give you the peace. But the way he fights the battle and gives you the peace is when you decide to engage the enemy. He put battle armor on you. Ephesians calls it the armor of God. He clothed you in the armor of God. He put a sword in your hand. If we want a new peace, then we're going to have to understand there's going to come a new fight. Because the peace is the end of the fight. And I'll tell you something, you can have peace in the midst of the fight. How many of those, there can be a war going on in a country and the entire country is still engaged in all-out military warfare, but the country that is invading or fighting that country that's come into their land can take a city, a region, put a fence around it, and, and be a place where people can live in safety. Uh, uh, I forgot if this is the right term, demilitarized zone or whatever. A zone of a place where people that are living in those tents and those huts and whatever they've put out there feel a sense of peace and safety even though they hear bombs blowing up on the other side of the mountain. Because the enemy knows they don't need to come up over that hill because there's an unbelievable amount of force that's protecting that place of peace in the midst of the battle. Come tell you something. I'm not telling you your peace is going to come when all this chaos around you finally settles. God needs you to have peace in the midst of it. So that when people are wounded and bleeding and bloody and ready to give up, they can open their eyes one day and see a place, someone that is in their life that has found a peace, a new peace. While chaos is all around them. And then you turn that light on. As soon as you turn that light on to them, when you become that light to them, when you become that light to them, and all of a sudden they allow you to become that light to them, all of a sudden, boom, light comes on and you realize, that person realizes, oh my God, it wasn't a man ready to kill me, it was a coat hanging on a hanger. All this stuff that I thought it was, wasn't even that. Because I allowed myself to be in darkness. But people that walk in peace, they don't walk in darkness. So here's my closing statement. Nehemiah chapter 4, and I'm not going to read it because there's a lot of verses. You need to go back and read it. God, I, I added this right before I walked out. God spoke this to me. I sent it to him. I said, you need to add this at the end. Because I heard the Lord say this to me. Tell the people today, no matter what they hear, no matter what they see, no matter what they hear, see, or feel, do not come off that wall. They were at the base of that wall that Nehemiah was rebuilding. They were mocking them. They were yelling things and intimidating the people of God who really didn't have much faith because they, they had for years and generations had seen the house of God in ruins. And they had lost hope, but it took one man. One man came in and said, 
We're going to do this. We're going to rebuild this. They didn't believe him, but he became a light. And all of a sudden, little by little by little, these people who were in despair, who had given up that they would ever have a place to worship God safely again in Jerusalem, started seeing the light in Nehemiah and then buying into the light and the hope. And the Bible says they start rebuilding these walls and they're singing and they're worshiping and everything's going great. And all of a sudden the enemies see that and, they, and this is what, go back and read, it's amazing. They, re, they didn't attack them. They, did, they didn't storm the, the walls. They didn't shoot them with cannons. They said within themselves, we got to start talking and start, start spreading rumors. That's all they did. It's all they did. They just used words. And they screamed things up to them. Oh, you think your mountain's so big and bad. But you've forgotten who your enemies are. Look at your walls and your walls are nothing. What I'm saying, your walls couldn't, they didn't pass our inspection. You don't even know how to build a wall. In fact, it's so weak, what I'm saying, that if a fox was to run up the side of your big bad wall you're building, it would crumble to the ground. You are nothing. And I want you to know right now, we are amassing the armies. We are about to come and kill every one of you. And you will all bow to me and to us. So just start telling your family, it's over. People started putting their swords down. They started putting their hammers down. And Nehemiah saw it. Nehemiah ran up the scaffolds. It's in your Bible. It's powerful, man. You tell me one man can't change the world. He ran up them scaffolds. He said, listen to me. Stop it. Everybody stop and listen to me. Don't you listen to what they are saying because their God is not our God. You get back on that wall. Down here, we'll keep making brick. Down here, we'll keep, we'll keep, cook, keep cooking. We'll keep providing, bringing you food, bringing you water. But hey, you. You keep building. That's what the Bible said. He said, don't come off that wall. No matter what you hear, no matter what you see, no matter what you feel. He said, in fact, here's what I'm going to do for you to really drive it home. Give me your hand. He put a hammer in that hand. He said, there, build. But wait a minute. When you are building something for the kingdom, you need to understand the devil's always going to try to tear it down. He said, give me your other hand. This is in your Bible. He sticks out his other hand. Sticks a sword in that hand. He said, let me tell you what God's about to empower you to do. You get back on that wall. This sounds wild to think about this. Get this picture in your mind. This is what Nehemiah said. With one hand, build the wall. And with the other hand, wave that sword at your enemy. And you let them know. Not only am I building in your face, but if you come up here and try to mess with my kids, you come up here and try to mess with my house, I won't stop building, but my God will allow me to take you out while I'm building. Woo! Somebody praise the Lord right now. Somebody shout, I'm not coming off the wall. Somebody shout, I'm not coming off the wall. Get up on your feet right now and shout, I'm not coming off the wall. Woo! No matter what, I'm not coming off the wall. Don't you come off that wall. You got a sword in one hand, you got a hammer in the other. Build, fight, build, fight. You got to have a supernatural peace.
to be a bricklayer while you fighting somebody with the other hand. You're talking about a focus. Here's how I know they did it. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Because said God said, if you'll take one hand and build with it, I'll grab your other hand and fight with it. See, you don't have to be. Because the battle is the Lord's. But God said, but I need you to believe that I can do it and hold that sword. Don't drop your sword. and Don't drop your hammer. You trust me, I got your family. You stand in the gap and I'll use you. Listen to me. I'll use you to fight for you. I'll fight through you, but you keep building. That's what the enemy's trying to cause us to do. Make us come off that mountain. Pardon me. Yesterday, I went by myself quite a bit yesterday. Just thinking about talking to my cousins and stuff. one moment yesterday I felt I'm going to call somebody and just ask if they can preach for me tomorrow I convinced myself come on ain't nobody going to think nothing about that they don't understand completely there's your mama nothing wrong with you taking the weekend off you sit at home by yourself you look at pictures you remember things about your mom. About the time I thought that, I looked over and I saw my mama's Bible. Open it up and there's just highlights all through it. Red, and, well not red, but uh, yellow and green, and purple and pink highlights all through it. I said to myself, uh-uh. And this morning I realized that was the Lord telling me, don't you come off that wall. Listen, you grieve, you hurt, you deal with it, but you keep building. Don't you come off that wall. Come on, y'all hear me. We all got lost coming, y'all. We live long enough. We're going to lose everybody we love. If we don't go before them. And when we go, they'll grieve us. It's life. But we got to keep building. We got to keep building. That's what the remnant does. The remnant are not just soldiers, the remnant are builders. And we're building something. All over this world, people are standing up and a sleeping giant is waking up. People who believed in God but had shelved a lot of their beliefs are standing back up and saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, I'm closing, but oh, this might not mean anything to you, but it, 
was right on time for me. Yesterday, part of the day, when I was going through that, it was just me and my bunny rabbit. I was watching her. She was there in the house. She was playing and coming back and forth in my office. And I heard something <clears throat> hit the ground. You know, okay, what just broke, what just fell. I waited for a few seconds. I could hear them feet running to me. Bow, 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 bow. She ran in there to me. This may not be big to you, but my God, I needed it. She ran in there and she, and I'm going to tell you, I'll tell you when I, after I tell you this, I'm going to tell you why it meant so much to me. She ran in there and I remember my kids who are grown now and all. I remember all the times where, you know, your kids too, you know. Daddy, mommy, kiss it and make it better. That's what we do, right? We got those powerful kisses are unbelievable of mommy and daddy and papa and mama and grandma and grandma. So she ran and she said, Papa, my finger, my finger. I said, What'd you do to your finger? She said, I hit it on the chair, my finger, Papa, Papa. And I said, Come here. Come here, let Papa kiss it and make it better. And I kissed it. She said, No. Papa prayed. She won't no kisses. She won't her papa pray. And I prayed over that little finger. She said, all better. She ran back and played. But you know what? That's a testimony to her mom and daddy. That's a testimony to her nana and her papa. But what it did for me was keep building. Those kids need to see something in you. And you know, it might just be repetition. It might just be what they were taught to do. But something's getting inside of them. Don't let them see you gripped by fear. Let them see you have a peace. Even when they're worried about you. And they can tell. Something ain't right. And they're loving on you. hear me church if not now when if the world has ever needed to see a people with a peace that passes all understanding if now's not that time when the world's ever going to be that's us okay so today I want to speak over you and I want to tell you something it's very rare this happens to me that I don't call for people to come down it's very rare that I don't even Lead you in a sinner's prayer. I'm going to tell you this right now. If you know that there's not there's chaos in your life and there's sin in your life, you know what you need to do. You need to talk to God and ask him to forgive you of your sins. But what I want to do today is leave you with a blessing of peace and joy. As your spiritual father and all the things you had to weed through that I might have stepped on your toes and offended you with and all this, I hope and pray when you go home today and tonight, those that are watching online that got mad at me, just, just process it just a little bit through the word of God. And then what you decide is up to you. I don't, it's not, it's not going to bother me either way. But you, I think most of you will see it's trying to help you. It's time for peace. So here we go. Will you raise your hands? As I raise my hand, I speak this over my life as well. I read from the book of Numbers. I speak to you the thing that has been spoken hundreds of millions of times 
for thousands of years. It is the blessing that God commanded from his throne to Moses to speak over his people for all generations. And to this day, at the end of every synagogue meeting, most of the people even in America that are Christians, when their bodies are lowered into the grave, these words are said, and today I speak them over Solid Rock Church. The Lord bless you, and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Give the Lord a praise right now. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you.